In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. In the cross, be my glory ever. Not myself, not yourself, but in the cross of Christ, we glory and we are what we are. It was Paul in Galatians 6 and verse 4 that said, But God forbid that I should glory, save or accept or only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. One of my favorite old TV shows has been relaunched and I haven't watched the first part of it was a show called Quantum Leap, where the scientist Sam Beckett stepped into a time chamber testing time travel, and he leaped from life to life, making things right. And I've often said, if I could leap back in time, walked into Rome with a citizen, and I saw a cross mounted, just the stand-up piece mounted. Or if I saw a crucifixion being done, or a crucifixion that was going to become, it would tell me that somebody has been a rebellious foreigner, an enemy of the military, or maybe a violent criminal or a robber. I would be reminded how folks considered that type of death to be the most shameful, the most painful, and the most abhorrent of all executions. I could ask the Roman statesman Cicero, and he would call it the most cruel and disgusting penalty. He would also add it is the most extreme penalty. I could read the words of the Roman jurist Julius Paulus who listed crucifixion in first place as the worst of all capital punishment. Believe it, folks, listing ahead of death by burning, death by beheading, or death by the wild beast. A person would rather die one of those three deaths than to be crucified. And just mentioning those three deaths, you know they are horrible. But then I come back in time. Or let's just say that I still linger and I see the cross of one Jesus Christ. And when I see the cross of Christ, it actually tells me some wonderful and amazing things. That although the crucifixion of Christ was inhumane, He was railroaded, He was fixed, everything, its lessons are deeper and stronger. And you know, friends, the cross matters and our family matters when we see how the cross matters. And as in our hymn, one thing that our families need to do is to be kept near the cross of Jesus Christ. When you look at the cross of Jesus Christ and all the things that we have talked about this week, when we talk about communication among families and delegation and the things Sunday morning, 
We're able to go to the cross of Christ wherein the cross of Christ, according to Hebrews 9, brought forth the New Testament, which is our guide and our authority that we use to help us and to guide us and to guide our families. We use the New Testament to look at better husbands, better daddies, better mamas, better wives, better children. And what better place last night to look at the church of Jesus Christ to look at the church of Christ to where at the cross the church was purchased with the blood that he shed. The late Brother Wendell Winkler put it this way, The cross of Christ is heaven's pledge, the sinner's plea, the Christian's hope, and the devil's defeat. To which we say, Amen and thank you God. When we think about the cross of Christ, families, we come to the conclusion of this meeting. And to leave you with a final exhortation, let's be near the cross. And in the cross of Christ, allow that to be our glory. Because when we look at the cross of Christ, we see a number of things to help us when we're near the cross. Families, when we're near the cross, number one, we are reminded that we were or that we are lost. Tonight you stand in one of two places when you stand at the cross of Christ. You're either a lost individual that needs to obey the gospel of Christ. And if you stand near the cross of Christ and you're not moved to obey the gospel of Christ, there's something seriously wrong. When we think of the death that he died and how cruel a death it was and the suffering he endured, you and I, when we look at that cross, we're either standing there lost or we're saved. Either we're reminded that we were lost or we are lost. From Old to New Testament, from Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20, there's not a just man upon the earth that does good and sins not. We go to the New Testament, Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul's writing in Romans 5, verses 6 through 10, that referred to those as, or us, if you will as well, ungodly enemies and sinners, and it took the death of Christ that I could have any hope or that my life could change. When I look at that cross of Christ, it tells me, it reminds me that I was either lost or it reminds me of the blessing and the glory of being saved only in Christ Jesus. And if I stand at the cross tonight and I am lost and outside of Christ, that is a shameful place to be when you know you can obey the gospel of Christ through the death of Christ upon that very cross. Second, would you consider with me Families, when we are near the cross, we are reminded that we cannot save ourselves. Now, remember the hymn. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. To what Paul said, I should, God forbid I boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we boast. That's where we trust. And without the cross of Christ, we could not save ourselves. We couldn't do enough good. We couldn't act well enough 
to save ourselves, it is through the cross of Christ. Think about the wonderful parables of Luke 15. Think about the sheep that could not save itself, verses 4 through 7. Think of the coin that could not save itself, verses 8 through 10. Think of the lost son, the prodigal, who could not save himself. It's when he came to himself and he returned to his father that things changed. And when we come to the cross of Christ and we come to the Father, that's when change will happen. Oh, bless our hearts. Sometimes we say, well, I couldn't live it good enough. That's why I haven't obeyed the gospel. Brother Archie, I can't live it good enough. You want to hear a news flash? None of us could live it good enough. That's why we needed the cross of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we can live any way we want. John gave hope to the Christian in 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light. He's not asking us to live it good enough. He's asking us to be faithful to His cause. Faithful to the cross. That's what He asked for. Or someone that says, oh, I've got to get a lot of things in order before I obey the gospel. Well, did you ever stop to think that maybe you've been milking that excuse cow long enough that you need to get some things in order? And number two, if you're the one that got your life in such a sorry shape to begin with, don't you think you need some help to get out of that sorry life? And if you obeyed the gospel of Christ, He would help you address those things of which you are struggling with. Because, hon, i got another news flash for you. You're not doing too good with it now. When we stop and think about the cross of Christ and look at our lives, folks, everything we have, everything of which we're grateful, everything we will ever have or become is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And families, we need to be near the cross. You want to straighten out self? Well, it's the cross to where we can crucify self, the only cross. Galatians 2.20, when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's how I'm living. That's how we are to live. The cross of which we are able to crucify ourselves and the flesh therein, Galatians 5, 24 as well. In the cross there is the only blood that will redeem mankind. All the shed blood of the bulls and goats could never take away sin, Hebrews 10, 4. All the shed blood ever could not redeem me from my sin, but it's through the blood of Christ shed upon that cross where there is redemption, Ephesians 1, 7, Colossians 1, 14. Let's also consider tonight that we, as we think about, we cannot save ourselves, that we must be found in Christ. Listen to Paul in Philippians 3, 9. And he found and be found rather in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, Paul said, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, Philippians 3, 9. The righteousness of God. We think of Romans 1 in verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, therein where the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness which is from God by faith. May I submit to you tonight something that's not new, but something that is needful. Faith and righteousness in God is what we must hear. Oh, Jesus in Matthew 15, 10, hear and understand. How could the multitude understand unless they hear? Concerning the man who was born blind, who was healed by the Christ in John 9, 35 and 36, Jesus had heard they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Do you believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? In order for me to believe, I need to hear, I need to understand. When Philip ran to the eunuch in the chariot to begin that one-on-one Bible study, and he ran to that chariot and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip to come up and sit with him. How can I understand unless some man should guide me? Friends, we need to hear in order to understand. That is true in every aspect of life. We need to hear, we need to be trained, we need to listen, we need to pay attention to know how things go. You see, faith and righteousness in God, I want to hear about that. And then the faith and righteousness that is in God is what we believe. Remember, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes in it The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I must have faith in the faith in Christ, that righteousness of Christ, and I must believe in that. Jesus said, except you believe and I am he, you shall die in your sins. The end of the Gospel of John in John 20, verse 30 and 31, when the Bible says many other signs, truly did Jesus In the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, or the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now that makes full understanding. When the jailer was told to believe on Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Acts 16 that they spake unto him words. I must hear and I've got to understand to know what I believe. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I must hear and understand in order to believe because my faith in God will move me to do the right thing. That's true biblical faith, folks. When you study biblical faith from cover to cover, from old to new, Biblical faith is when God said and man moved on what God said. Why do you think Abraham is called the father of the faithful? Because he moved when God told him to move. And when we believe in the Christ, we're going to move when he tells us to move. 
The devils believe and tremble, James 2.19, so I know faith by itself will not save. We can even see more of that as we go on. But you see, faith and righteousness teaches me to hear, to understand, to believe. And then when I believe in Christ, I believe in God, I want to know more of His Word. And I find it very intriguing and amazing and beautiful that Jesus said these words in Luke 13, verse 3, Nay, I tell you, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. That message was so important that it is in Luke's account of the Great Commission of Luke 24, 44 through 47 that we noted last night. And on that Great Commission in Jerusalem, Peter preached repentance and remission of sins in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ, just as Jesus said they would. The times of ignorance God winked at, Paul said in Acts 17, 31, but now commands men everywhere to repent. He was telling that to people who were standing around all kind of idolatry. Now, now to give them credit, they did put up one of their little idol stones, as they would refer to it, and they said to the unknown God. They didn't realize that they were honoring the God, or at least they gave some expression. But of all those idols around, uh-uh, uh-uh. Paul didn't preach idolism. Paul preached Christianity and he said the unknown God is the one of whom I'm going to bring forth and I'm going to preach him unto you. Oh man, he had those people who were always looking for some new thing. Did you notice that they told Paul at the end, we will hear thee again of this matter? Ha! They wanted some new thing if it was the new thing they wanted. And that's not what they were hearing. When you tell folks to repent, Sometimes that's not the best thing to tell someone. But dear friends, there will not be a soul that will enter into heaven who has not repented of his sins, has changed decision, changed direction, and gone in the right way. You see, faith and righteousness in Christ teaches me that I must do that. Then I take a look at faith and righteousness of confessing Christ that Jesus commanded in Matthew 10, 32. And a faith that moves me to confession. You know, it's tragic to read of those chief rulers who believed on Christ in John 12, 42 and 43. The Bible says because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Folks, that's tragic. That is just tragic. Oh, did they believe in Him? The Scripture said they believed on Him. They believed on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. You could take their faith, ground it into gunpowder, and it wouldn't blow the lid off of a matchbox. It had no power to it. They failed to confess Him, lest they be put out of the synagogue. When there are those that say all we need is faith and faith only, you're making room in heaven for a bunch that God says not going to be there. Devils, even these chief rulers here. But you see, when we believe in Christ and we confess that faith, 
The eunuch didn't have a problem confessing that faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Peter did not have a problem confessing that faith. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, confessing Him before men. You see, that's faith and righteousness instructing us what we should do. Faith and righteousness instructs us concerning baptism. It is amazing when you talk about baptism that there are a lot of people in the religious world, they think it's a good thing, but not a necessary thing. Dear friends, all we can do is look at the words of Jesus in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. If an individual truly believes in Christ, they can't wait to get to the baptistry because it in baptism into Christ. One is baptized into Christ, Romans 6, 3 through 6. We're baptized into His death, His death, the crucifixion. Have you ever considered that's as close to the cross as we will get when we are saved, when we are baptized into His death, which was upon the cross? We're baptized into Christ when Saul was told to arise and be baptized, he said, It washes away your sin, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, families, when we're standing at the cross of Christ and we realize we cannot have enough power to save ourselves, that it is the cross of Christ that saves us, but it is through the faith in Christ, the faith of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the gospel message, that's where we are obedient unto it. And without it, we cannot save ourselves. We're not good enough. We're not redeemed enough. We must come to the cross and be obedient to the one who died on that cross. And then we've got to live the right kind of life. Let me back up a moment. If you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ tonight, do you realize you're lost? Do you realize that you are lost without Christ? You're standing at the foot of the cross of redemption and you will not respond to it. You are lost, my friend. You are lost. You need to respond to our Lord's invitation. Lay the pride aside. Lay aside the sin. You need to respond to the Lord. We have explained exactly what one must do. When we hear that beautiful gospel message, we believe it. We repent of our sins. Confess Christ. We're baptized into Christ. If you've had yet to do that, friend, you are lost. And you have no guarantee of the morrow. Brother Archie, quit scaring me. Well, repent and obey the gospel and you don't have anything to be scared about. But you don't know when life will end. Man, this afternoon I was as shocked as everything. When I looked down and saw Terry Broom had passed away, I thought, my, my. I just talked to him back at Lads to Leaders how excited he was he was retiring from local work, but he was still going to be active in the kingdom. Terry's brother Spin was a beloved friend of mine, and I know Hillary and knew all the... When I got here and found out I came across a broom, it tickled me to death. I love it. The brooms are great people, wonderful family. No, oh, just so sad on one hand, but a joy on the other. Boy, Terry hasn't seen retirement like he's seeing now. To God be the glory. Folks, we don't know when this old world's going to end. 
Car accidents take people quickly. It was back years ago. I attended Ashlyn Lambert's graduation. She was one of my girls at Eastside. She was one of my girls. Two weeks later, I stood behind her casket in the pulpit. Before she knew it, a car hit her, truck hit her. That was it. We don't know. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. Kind brother, if you would, put that Galatians 6.14 back up there. Go ahead and leave that up there if you want to. You see, folks, it's the cross in which we glory. I want us to keep our focus there. But if you have not obeyed the gospel, you need to make that right. Because you have no guarantee of tomorrow. It's not being scared. It's not trying to guilt trip anybody. It's just life, folks. We don't know if we'll have tomorrow. Families that are at the cross, keep in mind that faith and righteousness in God instructs us how to walk and how to live. If you then be risen with Christ, Paul said, in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, you seek the things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth Bring in with that Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need the cross of Christ because the cross of Christ tells me that I cannot save myself. I need the cross. I need the faith within the cross, the righteousness within the cross, wherein is the gospel, the faith of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. I need to be obedient unto that to save me. Families, are all of you at the cross of Christ? Have you responded to the cross of Christ? Would you consider with me that when we're near the cross, thirdly, we are reminded of forgiveness. That's where forgiveness takes place. Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost, Luke 19 and verse 10. While on this earth, in Mark 9, 1 through 7, He expressed the power on earth to save and could save, and He continues to save from the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, and Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. He's there on the right hand of the Father for the Christian. When we pray to the Father, He's on the right hand of the Father. We pray to the Father through the Christ. And that's where forgiveness is granted. And the cross tells me unless I come to the cross, I have no forgiveness. And no one wants that. The beauty of forgiveness when God forgives us of our iniquity and our sin, He remembers it no more. He forgives us. Hebrews 8, 12. It's at the cross. At the cross, families, fourth, we are reminded of the love of God. We cannot miss the love of God when we were at the cross of Christ. We cannot miss it. John 3.16, it is still considered by many the most beautiful passage. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him upon that cross for you and for me. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 4, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 
And in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, the buyback, the purchase back. Now, friends... When you put all four of the things we've talked about tonight together, when you put all four things together, that the cross reminds us that we were or that we are lost. It reminds us we cannot save ourselves and we need the cross of Christ wherein forgiveness is made available and wherein the love of God is shown. When you put that all together, we're reminded that we cannot save ourselves. We need someone greater and how we need God. Once again, I take us to where we began in Galatians 6.4. Or 6.14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may also recognize that from the beautiful hymn that we sing from time to time. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, when I survey the wondrous cross. In the line, the stanza that says, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Save in the death of Christ my Lord. Some songbooks say my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. When we think about the cross of Christ, it is only through the cross that an individual is reconciled, brought back to God from enemy to friend, brought back to God. It is only through the cross that one can be reconciled into one body, Ephesians 2.16. Now let's talk about that for a moment. Last night we talked about the church of Jesus Christ, the church of Christ. The church we read of in the New Testament. And the plea to be a part of that church. And the blessings within the church as there is salvation, as through God's scheme of redemption there is salvation and there is service of which we can do and how we can live. And we are reconciled unto God in one body by the cross. Two powerful things there from Ephesians 2 and verse 16. Actually verses 15 through 17. Two powerful things. He reminds those Ephesians that you can glory and boast only in the cross of Christ. Here are the two things. Number one, without the cross of Christ, we cannot be reconciled, brought back to God from enemy to friend. We cannot be brought back to God nor added to His church until we come to the cross and we are obedient in the faith and the righteousness of the cross. The second thing, how powerful this is, because he's speaking there to the church at Ephesus that was a mixture of Jew and Gentile. Now you're thinking, well, that's wonderful, okay? Jew and Gentile, if you go back into history, would be akin to the Hatfields and the McCoys. Jew and Gentile didn't get along. Jew thought Gentiles were just horrible. Dirt. 
And yet here they were, when they were obedient to the gospel of Christ, reconciled to God in one body. When they're reconciled in one body, not only did the Jews, they could not use the law to save them any longer. That was taken to the cross. They could not, and they also could not, go, or as the Gentile, the Gentile could not go back to a law because they really didn't have one. By nature, they embraced the things in the law. Many became proselytes. But on the day of Pentecost, those Jews and proselytes, when they obeyed the gospel, became disciples of Christ. And the Jew and Gentile had to come out of how they were raised And they had to obey the gospel of Christ. And then when they did that, they had to learn how to love one another and get along. You didn't look at your brother or sister, that's a Jew, that's a Gentile. No, we are one in Christ. Now I say all that from the Ephesian history to say this. I don't know of a one of us in this assembly that would have to overcome as much as they had to overcome. But when they allowed Christ to make the difference and they came to the cross wherein is faith and righteousness in Christ and were obedient, then they were able to work through those things that they needed to work through because of the power of the cross of Christ. And tonight... When you come to the cross of Christ, you yourself will find the answers. Moments ago, we talked about the importance of hearing and understanding. Believing in Christ and repenting of sins and confessing Christ and being baptized into Jesus Christ. Are you ready to finally make that decision tonight? Is it not time that you put away the way that you're living and realizing that you have been fortunate to live to this moment? Is it not time for you to finally come to the faith and the righteousness within the cross of Christ and obey the gospel of Christ tonight? If you walk out that door lost, I hope you don't sleep tonight. I hope you toss and turn and I hope you have the hardest night and the only answer you're going to have is to pick up the telephone, call Ronald, call John, call Sean, call Carl and say enough's enough. I can't handle this. It was one night at 10 minutes after 10 I got a phone call. Meet us at the building. Tyler wants to obey the gospel. Got to the building. He said, man, I ain't waiting another time. And if you look in the New Testament, they never delayed salvation. They never delayed faith, repentance, confession, and they never delayed baptism. The same hour of the night, the same day they were baptized. That can happen tonight, without a doubt. You do not want to leave tonight. I had a dear neighbor who was an erring member of the church. He had not walked faithful to the Lord. I told him, I said, I hope you don't sleep till you straighten things out. I'm going to pray for you. He said, I looked out my back window one night, looked up there at your house, and the light was on. And I told my wife, I wish he'd go to bed. Because I told him, I'm praying for you. 
Now, friend, if, if you're not living a life faithful to God, you need to make it right. If you have a doubt, you need to make it right. If there are things that are not right in our lives, if there are things in which we're struggling, Satan will take the struggles and he'll keep pulling. Maybe we need to pray with you and pray for you of the things of which you are dealing with. Oh, dear friends, your family matters because you matter. Husbands, you matter. Daddies, you matter. Wives, you matter. Mamas, you matter. Children, you matter. The church matters. And when we bring it all to the cross, where there is redemption, where there is renewal, we'll see a difference in our families, but first it starts with you and I.